Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Expeditors Podcast, where we look at the world of shipping through the lens of a global logistics provider. I'm your host, Chris Parker, and welcome to 2022. I hope you've taken the time to decompress, reflect, and figure out new ways to take yourselves forward while taking care of yourselves and each other at the same time. To kick off this year, I wanted to start us all on the right foot and get a deeper understanding of strategy and innovation to give you something to chew on the next time you're folding laundry or walking the dog. We're going to define strategy and innovation and learn what a balance looks like between the two. And I've brought on the best person to talk about this, our chief strategy officer, Ben Clark. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Happy to be here. Yeah, pleasure to have you. How was your New Year's? It was uh, really good. Thanks. Yeah, I was with uh, my family. I got to spend some time with my daughters and uh, and my wife and and my extended family. So it was nice, a little bit perilous uh, traveling this time of year, sure. but we were all, we were able to make it safely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, any uh, big thoughts or uh, resolutions for 2022? What are you focusing on in your life? Yeah, trying to drink more water mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, just trying to um, stay connected with friends and family, maybe a little bit more than I have been. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it's very, very important these days. Um Let's get to know you before we uh, talk about today's topic sure. here. Uh, walk me through your career here. Uh, where did you start? When did you come into Expeditors? Uh, and where's your career taken you? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm a lawyer by trade. Oh, okay. And I um, actually worked for a couple of firms before going in-house mm-hmm. in the late uh, 90s. Um, worked for a couple of aerospace companies, including Honeywell um, in, in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, I then moved uh, to Dallas, worked for a chemicals company, uh, Selenese, um, and briefly for a materials automation uh, company called Dematic mm-hmm. um, before joining uh, Expeditors as general counsel in 2015. And um, I was uh, really privileged to lead the legal department until the beginning of 2020 when I joined as the uh, or started as the chief strategy officer here. The chief strategy officer role and our strategy group in general is kind of new when you look at our 40 plus year history with the company. What does this group set out to do? Yeah. So our charter um, is really twofold. One is to sort of administer and facilitate changes to the enterprise strategy. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the strategy component. And then separately on the innovation side, it's to uh, a small group of individuals that are focused on creating new P&L centers, new businesses, um, uh, as well as sort of inculcating this culture of innovation throughout the throughout the the company. So when you started out uh, at Expeditors as general counsel, what interested you or compelled you to take on this role as chief strategy officer? Yeah. Well, I first off, I was uh I was always from a career uh ambition standpoint, I wanted to be the chief legal officer mm-hmm. of a publicly traded company. I loved the logistics space, uh tremendously excited uh by that and and candidly I love the opportunity to move out to Seattle. I love I love this city. Um uh, and then I guess really importantly meeting the the team here. Uh I was I was just uh tremendously impressed by the leadership and sort of the the culture and the ethos here. Fantastic. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into today's topic uh, since we're on strategy and innovation already. Great. I wanted to start off with innovation first, and then we'll touch strategy later here. So first and foremost, what is innovation and how does our organization, for example, define this? Yeah, sure. Look, there are a lot of different uh, definitions for innovation. At, at Expeditors, we say innovation is something new that creates value. Mm-hmm. It could be any sort of uh, new item, a, a, a service, 
um, and value to anybody. It could be customer, it could be internal stakeholders, it could be the community. So innovation is an extremely broad concept um, as, as we define it at Expediters. And, and I would say it's occurring all the time uh, you know, with this broad of a definition at a, at a desk level, um, within, within branches, and, and certainly at a more institutionalized level at a corporate level as well. With innovation, I think of uh, something very dazzling, exciting. Is that how you see innovation as well? It can be, but sure. it typically, it uh, or very often, I should say, it isn't. Uh, it can be more pedantic. It could be uh, something. It, it, oftentimes, what I, I find the, the great innovations to be sort of uh, discovering new, the implications of prior technology that's been exploited in one area and mm -hmm. applying it in a new area. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, you can look at the iPod, you can look, I, I mean, I like to think right now there's a lot, there's almost like a gold rush in, in terms of finding new applications of various technologies uh, that are already out there, RPA, API, uh, IoT, lot, the acronym soup. But these, these sorts of things are occurring all the time uh, all around us. Mm -hmm. And um, so innovation though can proceed, and I would say very often does proceed through incremental sort of evolutionary steps, not revolutionary. So something I've, I've heard you say outside of uh, this conversation is that Expires is an intrinsically innovative company. What do you mean by that? Why do you think that is? Why do you think we are innovative? Yeah, well, so I guess, uh, you know, look, I've, I've worked at, at a lot of different places. Um, to me, coming to Expediters, um, I, I was, I've been struck by both a, a, a level of humility, but humbly confident and um, that we will be able to uh, reach resolution on any challenge working together. The other thing that's one of our key cultural attributes is, is being visionary. And I find that that question arises more than I've seen it before. Where are things going to go? Mm -hmm. And uh, the fact that I think we're constantly asking that question of ourselves uh, in, in our meetings, as, uh, as well as this curiosity, why do we do it that way? I think that's lends itself to and is, is conducive to uh, innovation generally. It's better when we're the ones asking that, not a, an outside party, right? You, you'd rather get all of that out, uh, you know, behind uh, the, the curtain. So. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. So, okay, so if you're saying that uh, Expires is a, uh, because of our culture, you know, we're a innovative company here, um, what do you point to as like really good, strong examples of um, Expires' strategy and innovation working together? Yeah, so I mean, we started off uh, at, with a very uh, innovative concept, which was to marry um, air freight uh, with customs brokerage. Previously, mm -hmm. those had been separate, right? And we were the first to bring those uh, together, and and since that time, we've had a number of major innovative uh, uh, movements, uh, including the creation in the early 2000s of our transition and implementation approach. Um, that was really part of a strategy to move from a decentralized lane by lane procurement strategy to a more centralized global strategy. And what that enabled us to do was to really uh, understand a customer's global needs mm -hmm. instead of its uh, 
uh, lane pair needs and uh, to procure on that type of basis. Yeah, becoming less transactional, right? And, and well, exactly, more broadly, and, yeah. and trying to uh, and 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 being able to to get some economies of scale. Mm -hmm. um, and then more recently, uh, our service provider program. We kind of moved from what was a traditionally sort of adversarial approach with respect to uh, procuring capacity from carriers to a much more collaborative mm -hmm. uh, approach with carriers, trying to work with them uh, to make sure that they were uh, achieving uh, success and, and getting uh, good results as well. If we're already a very innovative company, why do we need a strategy group? Yeah, great question. I, the the um, there are different types of innovation, sure. I guess. There's um, sustaining innovations, the types of innovations that a company needs to continue to provide its services. There's efficiency innovations. That was a big uh, topic when I was sort of first uh, um, coming to age, if you will, in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, <laughs> Japan was sort of the... the, the um, uh, the icon for that mm -hmm. and with uh, Kanban, yeah. Kaizen events yeah. and that sort of thing. But increasingly, you know, been a lot of focus academically um, with on, on disruptive innovation. And that was really put forth in uh, Clay Christensen's uh, Innovator's Dilemma, the theory of disruptive innovation. And, and the point behind all of that is in, a, in an environment um, with disruptive innovation is not something that uh, established firms are well positioned to uh, address. And the, the best that you can do, uh, so this thinking goes, is to create an organization like our strategy innovation group that is chartered to kind of identify new businesses. They have to be able to uh, fend for themselves. They have to be able to compete effectively in the marketplace, but they're chartered on trying to find new uh, new opportunities. And mm -hmm. that's, that's why we created uh, this strategy uh, and innovation group. Yeah, absolutely. So now that we've talked about innovation and why we have this group, let's go into strategy. How does expedite or how do you define strategy? Yeah, so I I like the definition. I think that uh, Laffley and Martin, and I think uh, uh, Michael Porter puts uh, forward of uh, strategy is an integrated set of choices that uniquely positions uh, a company or a firm to create sustainable advantage and superior value in its industry or or within a competitive landscape. Mm -hmm. I like that because it it identifies that strategy. Um, is choice. Uh, it's both choice as to what you're going to do and what you're not going to do, mm -hmm. which bets you're going to make and and uh, why you're going to make them. It, it, it informs that as well. I like that. It's it's understanding your values, uh, taking a good look and, and, and defining them and, and structuring them in some way that kind of determines how you move forward. Is that is that right? That's right. I mean, it, uh, Laffley and Martin in, in this uh, book, uh, Playing to Win, talk about a, a strategic choice cascade. There are five key questions that any strategy uh, should address. Mm -hmm. What are our winning aspirations uh, and goals? Um, where are we going to play? 
How are we going to win? That's kind of the heart mm -hmm. of, of the strategy. What capabilities do we need to win where we want to play? Um, and what management systems do we need in place to ensure that we have, have those capabilities? In, in terms of, uh, I, I don't think there's any one right way or gospel for sure, sure. here, but a, a heuristic or construct that they put forth that I like is this concept of a strategy logic flow, which is to try to first um, what you really do have to start with what are what do you stand for to your to your question what are your values mm -hmm. but having that uh, aside um what is look at your industry and that can be difficult how do you even define your industry yeah, they're merging and they're, they're so exactly, much greater exactly and if yeah. you're too narrow you're going to be too circumscribed in your thinking right so you want to think broadly and then you want to segment uh that uh industry and then having segmented it and that's non-trivial trying to figure out how to do that what are the um the structurally attractive segments mm. uh, and then uh so if you could be number one in those in all of those segments which ones would be the most attractive to you mm -hmm. then you want to look at well what do customers want mm -hmm. in that those particular segments what sort of capabilities do they value and what's your gap analysis right. how do you compare against <laughs> yeah. that yeah exactly and then um uh, if you were to try to uh, achieve uh, success in those particular um, areas, what would the competition do um, mm -hmm. in response? And so a strategy really needs to take all of those uh, facets into consideration, um, to, I, I think, to be effective. There are examples, a lot of people say, well, in the, the time of Henry Ford, the the very best uh, buggy whip, uh, <laughs> you know, manufacturer, if they're continuing to innovate on the type of leather, they're missing, whoa, there is something dramatically, your whole market's about to go away. Right. <laughs> um, so, And that example you, has happened multiple it times. It happens all the time. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's disruptive innovation. Right. That's why you want to have a group in part to identify this is something big that's about to hit us, mm -hmm. that we can't just focus on sustaining and emerging innovations. We need a group that's focused on transitioning us to a new world, mm -hmm. you know, that type of thing. Absolutely. Let's take what we've talked about um, with expediters and our approach to strategy innovation and kind of turn it around towards our audience. Uh, what does too much innovation look like? What does flying too close to the sun with innovation look like? What kind of approach lends itself to sifting through uh, an oversaturation of new ideas, new things out there? Yeah. So, I, I mean, the, the, one example I can give, and you sort of uh, harking back to uh, childhood, I guess, is seeing the the um, the kind of rapid innovation, if you will, of uh, within fast food restaurants and mm -hmm. different types of uh, um, uh, branded sandwiches, that type of thing. You can get to a point where you're actually confusing um, your customer base and and hurting sales, mm -hmm. and and you may have to dial that back. Another example, Coke, you know, when they went to New Coke and then they realized that was a mistake, they shouldn't have innovated, they had something that was working, they went back to it, and then they wound up having to, to uh, uh, give both. So it, it's, it's easier to talk about it in the, the context of uh, consumer products, um, but uh, that is that I think that approach can um, uh, arise when you've got a group that's uh, charged uh, with continually cranking out um, new new innovative ideas. You have to make sure that those 
ideas are tested mm-hmm. that they that they're addressing fundamental needs or what uh, we call jobs to be done mm-hmm. um, there's a whole uh, theory around that that's critical you want to make sure that there is in fact a market or a, a fundamental need that's being addressed what would you say are some of the pitfalls then of um the imbalance of strategy and innovation when the two aren't aligned when you aren't balancing them where like what what can happen what are the outcomes there yeah well so you you can go um too hard in in either direction i guess with sure. innovation if if you if as part of a strategy you're you're highlighting a fundamental pivot in some key area you should be innovating um, uh, toward that. If, uh, on the other hand, your, your, your strategy is doubling down on certain core capabilities and you're innovating in a way that actually undercuts the relative advantage uh, that, that, that you already have, you may be um, innovating counter strategically and you wouldn't want to do that. So I don't view them necessarily as in conflict or together. I mm-hmm. think innovation can be a really nice complement to strategy. Okay. Um, but you, you want to make sure that it isn't that innovation isn't contra strategy. Could you give us an example of that? Well, like I, I mentioned, I, I think if um, for example, the the strategy take Coke, for example, Mm -hmm. was to expand sales uh, within a particular um, uh, market region on, and and yet at a corporate level, they're making the decision that we've got to gut the old Coke. Um, Well, that may be contra narrative in that region. And like, so you wouldn't, that innovation wouldn't be connected well with the local or regional strategy to grow in in potentially a new market. Mm -hmm. You're still trying to make inroads with the old Coke. Mm -hmm. Don't start saying that it's no good. Right. Because then you're going to start alienating the people that that, that loyalty from their customer base and stuff. Yeah. It can be confusing. Yeah. And and so it's particularly clear around marketing strategies, but that's, that's an example that comes to mind. One thing that you mentioned when we were uh, kind of chatting before this episode is uh, if you build it, they will come is kind of the cardinal sin of innovation. What do you mean by that? Yeah, well, I mean, look, the, the again, it kind of comes down to jobs to be done. You want to start uh, in any innovation um, effort with knowing that what you're, you're addressing a fundamental need at some level, a job to be done. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I think you have to be sort of... Uh, humbly curious you you want to you want you you'll have a supposition uh, about what customers want but you really want to test that mm-hmm. um i i like a quote uh from the physicist richard feynman uh he said it doesn't matter how beautiful your theory is it doesn't matter how smart you are if it if it doesn't agree with experiment it's wrong mm. I, I like that and i like <laughs> the the idea uh of of kind of approaching innovation methodologically mm-hmm. uh, almost through the scientific method. Um, and, uh, you know, I think talked about being humble. Uh, another <laughs> quote I, li- I like from Feynman is, I'd rather have questions that can't be answered than answers that can't be questioned. If you find that you've got, you know, a lot of entrenched um, uh, uh, rules that you can't question, that that's a concern that can mm-hmm. pose real obstacles yeah, yeah. Uh, for for innovation. But doesn't uh, heavy testing the scientific approach kind of slow innovation down? I mean, my concern is that if you if you take a he- test heavy approach and it's and it's very methodological, which is wow, what a tongue twister of a word. Yeah, uh, that leads that leaves opportunity for other for competitors to kind of swoop in and 
and and move forward and take the lead on these things, no? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the the, the challenge is to identify the critical assumptions that you need to to test. You can't test them all. Sure. And so, uh, one thing that that certainly we do, and I know others, is you first try to prioritize uh, those the the assumptions to identify which are the ones that you're really uncertain about. And that have a big impact on the result. Um, and there's some subjectivity in that prioritization. And it's the high risk ones, the ones where you're not really sure uh, where it's going to come out and that'll have a big impact. Those are your critical assumptions. And those you want to test as well you as best you can. And sometimes, you know, those assumptions aren't susceptible to testing. Uh, it may be uh, a, a churn number, a retention number that requires the passage of time. So you have to try to find the best proxy for that assumption. But you want to have some basis that is data-driven uh, that relates to those key critical assumptions. When you talked about being entrenched in in strategy, um, whether it's those are the rules that were set by others, I'm now thinking of buy-in. You know, if someone wants to bring forth an innovative idea, or hey, let's look at our strategy, um, is if when buying is difficult, what does one do? Um, and does our, our logist the logistics industry is it inherently more difficult for buy-in? I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think uh, it is. I don't think it's any uh, uh, more difficult or, or less difficult than any other industry. I think, as with any sort of effort like this, when you're innovating you may well be challenging existing uh, uh, beliefs. And so as with any sort of change management approach, sure. there, there's a lot of seeding, there's a lot of um, data collection, uh, and there's a lot of active listening too. I mean, what you don't want to do as an innovator is dismiss the institutional knowledge of a lot of people who've been doing it for a long time. You have to take that into account right. because uh, a lot of times that intuition is right, mm -hmm. notwithstanding um, the, uh, the 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 data that you have that suggests it might not be right, um, and and you may also want to evaluate what are some of the changing circumstances that might uh, give rise to why that was right in the past and and maybe won't be right going forward. Um, and you could, for example, the 2008 crash, yeah. uh, the, the uh, how uh, collateralized debt obligations and mortgage-backed securities, uh, while at one point prior to 2008 were a sure bet, that had changed and there were some fundamental underlying reasons. That sort of thing is happening all the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Usually not with those catastrophic of results. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, as we wrap this up, I want to try and... Like I, I was kind of seeing this episode as like a like a something to listen to as you think about your New Year's resolutions or you know going forth into 2022. So I, I'm thinking of my father-in-law who is a dairyman out in Idaho. Uh, he's my number one fan here. I'm pretty sure he listened to all my episodes. <laughs> it's very flattering. I really appreciate the the support that he gives. But for him, like he's not in this industry. If he's going to be listening to this episode, what can he take away? from our conversation as he goes forth in his uh, in his job. Yeah, well, and first I should caveat, I know absolutely nothing about the dairyman <laughs> industry, so uh, profound respect. Um, I guess what I would say, and that, that sort of brings me to this idea of a, a framework, is uh, identify 
the rub points? Where, where are the things that, first off, being curious, mm-hmm. why do we do it the way that we do it? Is there, why am I finding that my yield is is what it is, is, is less than perfect? Or why is it taking this long? Mm-hmm. Those why questions may give rise. If you find yourself asking the same why question a number of times, you may have just uh, identified a job to be sure, done. Yeah. That may warrant sort of a, a process review. Is there a way of doing it? Almost always there's some fat on the bone, so to speak, uh, where you could do it faster, better, cheaper. Uh, the question is, does it warrant the effort to even do that, to mm-hmm. do some sort of process optimization? Um, and uh, But that uh, a process optimization is an, a perfectly good example of innovation. Mm-hmm. You're, you're improving, you're creating something new of value. And, and uh, so my call out to anybody, be it folding clothes, like why, why am I folding it this way? Why is it taking, <laughs> could I do it faster? You sure. can almost gamify it. Uh, um, it, it. The more you, you're you curious about that, I think the more it will lend itself to possible uh, innovative approaches. And that is probably one of my favorite cultural attributes of Xpire's culture is curiosity. That one to me is, is one of my absolute favorites because it not only gives permission, but it encourages asking questions it encourages you know taking things apart seeing how things work and understanding uh not only the why but the how and then what do you do with it where do you go from there it's great absolutely i I embrace your inner child too that why that's uh, constantly coming out (laughs) why do we do it this way you know a lot of times those are those are great questions even though they they may not seem that at the time for sure for sure all right so final question to you uh what do you think is the next frontier for logistics like what excites you the most i i know there's no crystal ball but what's kind of like you're pumped up about learning more at least seeing it develop further well i'll I'll give you two answers maybe i mean i i think there's a lot that is yet to come to uh, from the promise of blockchain mm-hmm. and that 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 particularly in logistics and supply chain around pedigree identification and there've been some efforts there but i think that really requires uh, for a full innovation you know some some uh, trust among ecosystem partners that maybe isn't there yet but mm-hmm. i think there's a lot yet that can happen uh two other areas i think though that are kind of related um cognitive automation and quantum computing <laughs> that that i think and this may be out there a bit <laughs> but i i do think that that's going to lead to a whole host of um uh, benefits for logistics and and an example is in dynamic route optimization. I think uh, there's always going to be this core need to move things from point A to point B, mm-hmm. but how to do it, how to make changes real time and make the most intelligent changes and to help uh, people within the supply chain make better, faster decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still going to be humans making those decisions, but they're going to be aided by uh, a whole, I think, suite of of tools and technologies that they don't yet have. So to me, that's, I, you know, this is a really exciting time just in business general. For sure. uh, I think, again, there's this gold rush where we're applying various different technologies uh, and, and uh, systems and tools to new areas. And that can be extremely innovative. Um, so I think there's a lot that's going to happen, but those are, those are a couple of examples yeah. for logistics. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you for that. Well, thank you so much, Ben. Uh, I wanted to leave folks with maybe like a book or something like that. You've seemed like a very 
well-read person. So is there one book that you are, that you've just loved that kind of like uh, gets your creative juices going that we can share with folks? Yeah. Well, so I, I mentioned Innovators Deliver by Clayton Christensen. Um, I guess the, the other one, I, I may have alluded to this too, mm-hmm. Playing to Win, How Strategy Really Works. It's a nice kind of how, how to. And again, mm-hmm. I don't view it as gospel, uh, but I think it's a really nice construct uh, for how to approach this at, a, at an enterprise level, but even at a functional level, mm-hmm. uh, they, the authors talk about nested um, strategic choice cascades. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's by A.G. Laffley and uh, Roger Martin. Uh, Laffley was the former P&G CEO and Roger Martin's a biz school professor. But I think they do a really nice job of giving a practical uh, approach to uh, devising uh, corporate strategy. Yeah, incredible. All right. If folks want to get in contact with you, where can they find you? Oh, well, uh, so at Expeditors, it's benjamin.clark at expeditors.com. Mm-hmm. I'd uh, welcome that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for the time. It was great chatting with you. Uh, it looks like I've got a lot of reflecting to do. All right. My, my <laughs> pleasure. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you've got questions or want to learn more about today's topic, check out the show notes for more information. And before you go, make sure you're subscribed on whatever podcast app you're using so you won't miss the next episode. To learn more about Expeditors, you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or simply visit us at expeditors.com. Take care, and I'll see you next time.